You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. All right, my friends. Uh, We're going to get started, and I know this is an unusual start because this is somewhat of an unusual Sunday. Uh, If you've been here any time, maybe once over the last, like, six, six months, you know we have these Sundays that are kind of, like, interactive, uh, where you're going to kind of, if you're in the room, you're going to be expected to, like, not just sit, you're going to participate. And I know that may feel, like, a little weird, because usually when you come into a church, there's, like, some singing, there's a message, there's some prayer, and then you exit. But we've started these things that we call internally Pray Sundays, And they're based on a method used by 24-7 Prayer Movement, which is a network that we are actively joining. And the Pray Movement and the Pray Method is, there's nothing novel or or particularly groundbreaking about it, but it's this easy mnemonic way to memorize, like, how do we enter into the presence of God? And so when you think about Pray, it's an acronym for pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And so this is kind of what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be moving through those four movements, pausing, rejoicing, asking, and yielding. And we're doing all this as an activity of prayer. And why do we do this? Well, it's because, like, we don't want to just be hearers of the word, as James says. We also want to be doers of the word. And to be doers means we have to practice, right? And so why not here, right now, now, together, and we as a staff and as a pastoral team and myself who's been entrusted with the teaching of our body, we believe that the purpose of this time is for communing with God, for the fellowship of believers, and for the equipping of saints for the work of ministry. That's you, that's me, we're all the saints. And so how do we get equipped to do the work of ministry? How do we get equipped to build up the body of God? Well, we've got to practice praying, and we want to be a people that are formed and that are sent out in, through, and by prayer. And so today is going to be moving through those prayer movements so that we can practice with our bodies, with our minds, with our hearts, how we actually become the saints and the family of God. And so I know that may be a little different. I know if you're at home and you're watching online, it can feel uh, not what you're expecting. But uh, I say, I just want to encourage you to give this a try. See, the last reason why we do this is because when you think about it in a lot of churches, everything kind of centers and points to this like sermon, this teaching, people like me, some sit on stools, some don't. Uh, and they give you like, you know, this like speech for the week. And if that is what this becomes, just like a God speech listening club, then I think we're gonna have missed out on so much of the power and activity of the spirit. And we will threaten to build this on the people that end up on this stage. And what we are doing here is not about the people that are on this stage. It's about the people that are in this room. It's about the people that are watching this online. It is about the family of God coming together, fellowshipping with one another, and communing with his spirit for the betterment of ourselves and for the betterment of the world. That's what this is about. And so next week we'll be back to our normal liturgy. But for today, we're going to give our hearts to practicing. So, 
Each praise Sunday has a particular theme or emphasis. We do these once a quarter, and today is Psalm 23. We're going to be spending a lot of time in the Psalms to start this year, but uh, we picked Psalm 23 because it's, this is like thematically where we want to enter. It's 2022. We just celebrated New Year's. We're in the first light of this new year, and culturally with a new year comes enthusiasm, new goals, renewed striving, but not just that. New years also come with old inertia, reminders of the old goals we didn't complete, and the bills from the presents we just gave away. New year beginnings often becomes this year's burdens. But the question we're asking today is, what if we went another way? Like where the world calls us to burden ourselves, right? Where we get our resolutions, where we, we, we hunker down, we throw away all the snacks, and we say we're going to start running again, and we're going to start really trying hard at our job, and we're going to be better partners in our relationship. What if instead of burdening ourselves with more striving, what if, as the scripture tells us, we seek the unburdening that Jesus provides? This is the overarching goal of Psalm 23. The theme of Psalm 23 is to become unburdened. Psalm 127, the psalmist says that unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, those who watch over it, labor in vain. Unless he is working, unless this is his work, then all of our striving is for naught. The psalmist goes on to say in Psalm 127, which I love, he says, you rise up early and you stay up late, eating the bread of anxious toil, but the Lord gives sleep to those he loves. Matthew 11, Jesus himself says to, to those who are seeking to follow, he says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, for I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy, and my yoke is light. Yoke is easy, my burden is light. There is continual call throughout the scriptures that the way into the way of Jesus, the way into the good way, the following of the Lord that we believe is overall starts with rest. On the sixth day, he creates man, on the seventh day, he enters us into rest. And this is not a call to apathy or laziness in the Lord, but rather it's an encapsulation of a very practical truth that we know all too well. When you start a day from a place of restedness, we come with our full selves, able to work with attentiveness and vigor. I just stayed up for the first time in many years past midnight to ring in this new year. And I paid heavily for it the next day. Because my kid didn't realize, and he got up at seven, and it was like back into the grind. And it's tough when you're tired. But when you enter the day with a full night's sleep, when there's rest in your body, you are able to engage from a healthy place. And so it makes sense then that God calls us to start from a place of rest. There is work to be done. We join God in his work, but we do so through the entrance of his rest, so we know that it is not dependent upon us, 
And we find that when we come in with the fullness that he provides, we can do our work with attentiveness, with vigor, with heart, with perseverance. And so we're going to start today and this year through the four movements found in Psalm 23. But for today and starting with the pause, we're actually going to start and yield. And I think what this looks like is in this moment, making an active choice to engage in the spirit and an invitation to abide with him here and now. So in the room, you may feel awkward. It's not a full room. It's that first Sunday back. But I think there's an invitation to kind of just give yourself to this day. Give yourself to these moments. We're going to meditate in a bit. We're going to pray and minister to one another in a bit. What does it look like to just drop the pretense and give it a try, to meet someone new, to commune with God, commune with each other? Maybe you're at home, and this is typically the time where you've got the phone out as you're watching this thing. And as we yield, I think the invitation is to put down the phone. More than just put down the phone, turn it off. Maybe it's to resist that call to the fridge and to say, even though I'm at home, I may not stay in the stand in the middle of my living room and sing, but maybe I will. I may not have a person next to me that I can pray for, but maybe I'll call someone. What does it look like for us to yield all of ourselves to this invitation of God to meet with him today? We're going to give it a try. So we're going to start by reading today's text, Psalm 23. And then we're going to enter into just a time of worship where we yield to God ourselves, where we receive the invitation to come and worship him in a fellowship with one another today. Hear this, the word of the Lord. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's stand together, friends. start at the beginning of Psalm 23, which begins with the name. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. That word there, Jehovah Ra'ah, is both, yes, a shepherd who tends sheep and fox, but there's also a connotation of the word friend. The Lord is my friend, and I lack nothing. He goes on to say, he lies me down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
The work of the Lord is the leading us into places of rest for the refreshing of our souls. He says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So the rest that God gives us is not just for us, but it is for himself. It is the very way that he relates to us because he is rest. He tells us, he tells us uh, followers, I do not call you servants because they do not know, servants do not know what the master plans, but I have called you friends because I've told you everything that the Father has told me. And that invitation to be friends, the invitation to walk into the rest of God is why we can find the courage to yield to the invitation of Jesus to come and follow him. And so I just wanna invite you as we continue in this movement, we have these prayer rugs, there's nothing magical about them, but they are just spaces and places where we can do with our bodies what our hearts are declaring, which is just lay prostrate, get on our knees before the Lord our God, declare him king, declare him a friend, to give ourselves to him. And so I wanna invite you, if you're in the room, to do that. If you're at home, I wanna invite you to just, whatever that posture of yielding is, Maybe it's getting out of the bed. Maybe it's just kind of turning out all the noise and the distractions. And choose to enter the rest that Jesus is driving us into, that he's guiding us into, like a good shepherd, like a good friend. And so we're gonna to continue to make space to worship and continue to ask you to just yield to what the Lord wants to do in and through you today. You were the word of the beginning. You can take a seat. I think sometimes it's it's not the yielding that we have a problem with per se. Like obviously we have all made a choice in some regards to be here to seek after Jesus. And so I think it makes sense then that if we have in some ways made this decision to follow after him, then obviously he would ask some devotion to us. And that's usually not the issue. And rest sounds great in theory, and the idea of yielding to a God who leads us into rest, that also may not be the issue. Oftentimes what can be the issue is what happens when we rest. Because when we rest, when we stop, when we pause, when the silence enters, so do the accusations. And not necessarily the accusations from those around us, but those accusations that play out in our minds and our hearts. These accusations about our worth, about who we are, about what we deserve, about what God wants to give us. These accusations come, or the problems that they've caused in our life come. And so it's easier to just stay one step ahead than to stop. 
and enter the rest. Because the question, the fear, is what happens when the things that I'm running from catch me? What happened when the things that I've done or the, or the, the hard truths that I've been evading, what happens when they finally have their way with me? What happens to me when I place myself in the care and arms of God? Because we know that he wants to change us, right? But what if he wants to change the parts that I love? And can I really trust him to not make me something I don't want to be or that I can't recognize. And so the temptations, particularly in a city like ours, in a time like these, is to just keep going, to just turn up the volume. It's very interesting that we live in the most technologically abundant age. We have machines that will sweep our floors, that will send our no emails. Imagine when you have to go write a letter and put it in a mailbox. We can speak to text. We can do all these things that are supposedly supposed to make life more convenient, and yet we are busier than ever. Where did all the time go that we saved? Maybe that actually wasn't the issue. This next movement is pausing. What does it look like to enter the silence? The psalmist David says this. It is interesting that he starts with this call into the rest that Jehovah provides, but then he goes from that rest into that darkness. In verse four, he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations say the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The question is, what's killing you? Or what's threatening to? What shadow are you walking in? Is it a broken relationship, an unfulfilled desire, a desire that was filled and did not do what you thought it would? Some brokenness you've committed or has been committed against you. What is the shadow that looms over you? As David walks through it, he says, I will fear no evil because God is with me. Your rod and your staff, these are the tools of a shepherd. With the rod, he corrects the wandering sheep, putting them back in line. He beats off the enemy, the wolves that would threaten his flock. With his staff, he gently nudges and guides. So with these tools of correction and these tools of guidance, we find comfort. So from this yielded place, we're gonna enter a time of silence and solitude. 
And maybe that's weird because it's not something we typically practice as New Yorkers. But it's something we have to practice because there is a blessedness in it. And so we're going to take a few moments of unbroken silence. I'm going to invite you, whether you're at home or you're in the room, maybe grab your phone or notepad if you brought one. If you're at home, grab a piece of paper. What does it look like to just write down these things that you're running from, to just acknowledge them, to let them actually get close enough to smell them, to see them? And we're going to sit in the silence. And the hope and the belief is that in that silence, we will know that we serve a God who can overcome all things, even, especially the things that it kills us. It turns out that even if they were right and even if they do take us down, he has the power to defeat death. He's even Lord of finality. So let's take a moment. Let's close our eyes. Let's get our space. And let's sit in silence, pausing before the things that are threatening to kill us and inviting the Lord into those things, naming them so that in a few moments we will offer them to God. So we'll sit in silence and then we'll move out of that in a little time of worship. at this portion of the service where we're going to move to a time of ministry and response and as the psalmist keeps writing he says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows it's at this point in the psalm that the psalmist David invites us into the paradox of what it means to truly rest in God. The image of a a banquet table being set surrounded by enemies doesn't make sense. When you're surrounded by enemies, it's not the time to sit down. It's not the time to eat. It is not the time to feast. It is a time to make ready for war. But in this image is the a beautiful picture of what it means to truly know and to be loved and to be known by God. It's a picture that because God is for us and he is with us, we can rest and sit and take comfort because he's actually the one fighting. He's the one defending us. That we need not take up arms ourselves, but we get to lay down our arms surrounded by the, the toil and the turmoil and the troubles of life and find sustenance and strength and rest. And because of that, we get to have a cup that overflows. 
because in the midst of life's troubles, in the midst of its travails, we get to sit and feast at the Lord's table that we have, we have an abundance of life. You know, Jesus talks in the Gospels about that, how his living water will, will spring up living water in us, that we too will become springs of living water, that, that to rest in God, to know Jesus, and to be filled with the Spirit is to become a spring of life for someone else. And yet, this is all wrapped up in what he then says in that second line of the psalm where he says, I will, you will anoint my head with oil. That because we are rested and because we know that it is God who is defending and keeping us, because we know that because he's sustaining us that we have an overflowing cup, it's at that point we are able to, to recognize that we are people set apart for purpose and mission. That the, the symbol of anointing in the Old Testament was the symbol of, of a receiving a vocation, the vocation to be a king, a prophet, or a priest. And in Jesus, Jesus is a king. He is the, the, the prophet who is both the word he utters and the fulfillment of that word. And he is a priest mediating between God and men. And to know him and to be in relationship with him is to also receive that anointing to, to be prophets, priests, and kings, ruling wisely and well in the world, mediating relationship between God and men as we stand in the gap in a broken world and declaring the word of the Lord over a lost and broken people. And all of this is wrapped up in who we are as believers. And so the invitation I want to give us, an, an invitation for us to pray and to have a time where we get to minister to one another, if you're watching online, to maybe the people in your home or, or the roommate or, the, or maybe someone you can just text real quick, is an opportunity to with each other, remind ourselves that we get to be a source of life for others. That we have been anointed by God to be that overflowing well of life for those around us. And to be the kind of people that when we're sitting at the table surrounded by enemies, we would be the kind of people that would invite the enemies to the table. This is the great symbol of, of the Lord's table, is that when we come to feast, we acknowledge that we were once enemies of God. And by acknowledging that, it makes perfect sense to invite those who might consider to do me harm or, or who might be against me to invite them to feast with us. In the aftermath of the apartheid in South Africa, there was this church that began to hold these Eucharist table services. And the prayer they would pray before they would eat together was this. Lord, we are here at the table. We are not alone. We are here with our enemies. And then they would eat together. And in this moment of ministry time, here's two emphases I want to give you. Number one, how can you be that cup running over for someone else? What has God given you, filled you with, that you should not keep to yourself? 
And secondly, who are the enemies that God has invited you to pray for? Because it's Jesus himself who said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that is not easy. That is more easily said than done. And yet that is the invitation of the Lord's table. And so with those two emphases, I invite you to, whether you want to pray in the prayer rugs, maybe you need to text somebody. Maybe, maybe you have that person that you've been saying, you know, I was going to reach out to that person and pray for them and invite them maybe just to come spend some time with me. Maybe now's the time to stop putting it off. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone you need to ask forgiveness from. But in this moment, time of ministry, this is what we want to do. We want to say, God, what have you given me? What, what's, what's overflowing in my cup that the world needs? And how can I use the table you've given me as a space for reconciliation? So if you need to stand, please stand. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you feel maybe led to pray for somebody, you're, you know, you're sitting next to that friend. You're like, man, like, God has given me a word for them. Maybe I need to speak that over them. Please feel free to do that. And before, I'm gonna pray for us in a moment for the, just to open up this time. But just a quick reminder, we have also communion here since we just finished speaking about the Lord's table. We want to invite you after the service to come grab this and, and to take it outside given um, the protocols we have in place regarding COVID. But let me pray for us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil. Our cups overflow. God, you have invited us to your table. You have anointed us with vocation and purpose. You've entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. And your spirit lives inside of us as a spring of living water. God, what have you given us that the world needs? God, who are the people that wish us harm or have hurt us, God, that you're inviting us to sup with, to invite to the table and to call friend. For you made it your habit to eat with the people who would betray you. And you made it your habit to give up your life as an overflow, a, a, a sacrifice, an offering for the remission of our sins. And so, Holy Spirit, show us what do we have to give? And how can we embody the forgiveness you've so freely given to us? up as Ryan was saying to, to minister and to pray with one another and there are two things one is he was talking about that idea of the apartheid and these people these disparate people literally at war with one another coming to 
a shared table, and this call of Jesus to bless our enemies and not to curse, and this power that we have to bless one another, to mediate the peace of God to one another. What does that look like? How do we practice it? I think it's very simple. It's presence, it's listening, and then it's giving the truth of God. So what I'd like for us to do, the person next to you, would you give them presents? You're gonna just say hi. Nice to meet you. Now, we're gonna go in a second. You don't have to do it right this second. Okay, listen to all the instructions. We go. So we're gonna have presents. You're gonna introduce yourself to the person next to you if you don't know them already. And then we're gonna listen. Is there something I can pray for you for? And this can be a really tricky thing because obviously like, as we talked about before, there's these relational boundaries and things that are, that are for our protection and for our good. And so maybe if this is someone you don't know, they might not have the strength that you don't know them well enough to give them that deepest, darkest burden you're carrying. But maybe it's just something that you can offer up that seems relationally appropriate. And then could you meet that with meeting the peace of God? And maybe that's something very simple, whatever that thing is. I'm a little scared about my job. Well, then I would say, Lord, I come with my friend who's scared about his job. You are God he provides. Amen. Doesn't need to be long. But we meet in presence, we listen, and then we give the truth of God. Beck and I are up here. If you want someone to pray over you, we're happy to, but we are more than welcome to pray for one another. So we're gonna give that a try. And maybe if they've got nothing, they're just like, actually, I don't really got anything. Okay, then we'll give them a simple blessing. May you be blessed by God in this new year. That's simple. It's an act of blessing. It's what we do. This is how we give the presence of God to one another. So if you're at home, you got someone next to you, do that. Call somebody up. Hey, I just want to give you the, the peace of God. I love you. There's no excuse to not engage. So we're going to go back to worship, but you're going to go and we're going to practice this presence, listening, and the peace of God. You got it? Sounds good? Let's give it a try. Yeah, the last verse in, in Psalm 23 is verse six. It says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to read that again in verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How confined do we feel by time? Do you realize that time is no longer going to exist at some point? That the, the weeks and the days and the, the thing that we push up against, like, oh, I don't have enough time to wash my hair today. How many? Me? Always. It's like, I don't got enough time to wash my hair. I just 
top knot or whatever. But time is not going to exist one day. And even that's been bringing me so much comfort. Uh, and it's been giving me a lot of confidence in saying, singing songs like, you know, when we sing that chorus, you are good, good. You're like, how can we sing that when there's tension and there's striving right now? Well, in this tension and striving, we know that we don't rejoice and worship God because of our circumstances or what has happened. We rejoice and worship God because of his goodness, because of his character, because of his unfailingness. Not because of what's now, but because what has always been, and it's him, and it's the love, and it's the overflowing goodness that comes from his heart to us over our lives. And it doesn't negate the fact that our circumstances are hard, but it, and it, but it magnifies the fact that our lives are not our own when we say we're going to put ourselves underneath. You know, the psalmist says the shadow of his wing. You know, when you're shadowed over by his wing, you can rest. You can be covered. You can trust and rejoice even in the midst of trial and circumstance. And so that's why we sing these songs. You know, you are good. You know, you're never going to let me down. That's absurd in normal circumstances. But time and space and restrictions are one day going to pass away. And we will remain and he will remain because we are in him. And that's why we rejoice. Amen. So we're going to continue to worship. We're going to allow goodness and love to continue to shadow over us and follow us and declare that we are not just here in this moment, but we are also living, seated with Christ in heavenly places as, as, as it's written. And, and that we get to just lean into him all the days of our lives forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. So let's declare this today. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. And let the king of my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It takes your love to love you, God. It takes your love to love you. So we rest in your love today. We rest in your love today. We receive more of your love today through your spirit, through everything that you're doing in us. It takes your love to love you. It takes your love to love others. We receive more today. We love you, Jesus. 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 Stir up our affections. Stir up our love for you. It takes you to love you. Through your Holy Spirit, give us more of your love today this week, this year, this new year. Let us, this time next year, be so much more like you. 
Start today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Diana's going to give us a couple of announcements in this moment. And uh, she's going to give us our benediction. But you can go ahead and be seated for just this moment before your benediction is given. Hi, everyone. I'm Diana, if you don't know by now. Um, I'm just going to give a couple announcements. Um, first and foremost, we have four weeks left of our Christmas offering. Um, if you don't know what that is, that's okay. Go to oaksbk.church, and there will be a header at the top, and you can click on it. And basically, we're inviting our church family to cultivate and sow for this upcoming year. So if you feel stirring in your heart or an invitation to do so, please go check it out on our website. And next Sunday, the 9th, we are back to normal, although this was so lovely. We will be doing our normal service. We'll be having kids at the Swinging 60 Center. Woo! And I'll be over there with them. And yeah, we are going to continue to worship God next Sunday together. And those are all our announcements. So if you would like to prepare um, your posture or your hearts for this benediction, please do so now. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Peace be with you guys. Have a great week. We love you.